Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome back to part two of The Guilty Feminist. So plug in and get ready for the fun. Hello, Canberra! Are you ready for a little bit more Guilty Feminist? Then put your hands together and welcome your hosts for this evening, Deborah Francis-White and Nikki Britton. I don't mind telling you, um, we compare audiences. Um, I mean, you're going, oh, yes, I thought she was good. Oh, I liked that. Oh, yes. Did you like that as much as last time, etc.? Have you seen it before? We also compare you to other audiences around the country. That's true, isn't it, Nikki? Absolutely. But what was that? We're better than Perth. That's for us to judge. That's really like me going, um, I'm better than Victoria Wood. You need to know that. Um, that joke's dated now because some of you don't know who Victoria Wood is. <laughs> Um, that's a sad day. Um, but we do, especially if we tour around the country, we, we talk about you and we yeah. compare you. I will tell you this. I left the sparkly cape in the hotel uh, uh, when we were in Perth and didn't want to be a diva and demand we go back <laughs> for sequence. And Perth was a little bit disappointed by that. There were people who were going, I was so looking forward to seeing it. And so I had to sort of, do a bit of an emperor's new clothes, just imagine it. Um, so already, Canberra, you've got more for your money than Perth Scott, in as much as I remembered the sequence. But in Canberra, Nikki, mm. um, one audience member brought me biscuits. In Canberra? Yeah, in the shape yeah. of my face. Um, yeah, uh, someone called M Mama Jetlag 
bought me, I don't think it's a real name, um, <laughs> bought me, I think that's a handle, uh, biscuits in the shape of my face, in the shape of Cal Wilson, and in the shape of Jonathan Van Ness, which might seem an odd trio, but uh, Cal Wilson was meant to be uh, on the tour, but because of, uh, she's been in co- contact with someone uh, with COVID, she's had to self-isolate. Um, but I could have just brought the biscuit out, Thomas, and uh, animated it. <laughs> Do um, the voice. Yeah, and done the voice. Uh, she sends her love to you, though. And uh, if you could just shout out, we love you, Cal, we'll play that bit of audio. Yeah, she'll love that. Okay. Actually, I should record it, because then I can just send it to her. That's a good idea, isn't it? Okay. All right, hold on. I'm just going to video it, actually. All right. Uh, if you could say, we love you, Cal, please come to Canberra next time or something. I don't know. I don't know. Make it up. Ad lib it. <laughs> Anthony, what should we say? You'll have a good idea. What do you think? He's, he's, get, he's learning. Okay. All right. Uh, oh, this is good because the, they've got the house lights up. Okay. There's a lot of yellow out there, isn't there? Yeah. Could you, you? Maybe we could do a wave. Could we do a wave? No, like a wave. Like a, like, I don't think you're meant to call it a Mexican wave anymore. Okay. I don't think that's inclusive language. So we're going to start on the right. So you'll all have to time it in here, here, and here at the same time. And then we're going to wave along and around. And I'm going to take this around. Yeah. Should if I do you that? I'll do that. It, Nikki, yeah. That would be helpful. Okay. And then, so Got everyone this. do the wave. And then at the end, uh, say, Guilty Feminist Canberra. The Guilty Feminist Canberra. That can go on Instagram. Perfect. And then, and then, can I do Instagram? Two, this way two videos, two clips. And then we're going to do one for Cal. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, ready? I've never done this before anywhere in the world. I've never thought of it before. I just love this venue so much. And you seem really up for it. Okay, ready, and uh, maybe I should I do it this way for Instagram? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I feel like more like it's going to be better this way. Okay, okay ready? Yep. was a little tentative. Okay, all right. For, like, it's feminism, gang. Like, I feel like... I, we show that to the patriarchy and they're going to be like, we can take him. There's no authority to that. Um, <laughs> we you needed need a stage, stage cue. Do you, okay. Should I be standing? Is that going to help? Yeah, okay. I feel like also people weren't... Yeah. What about... That's on me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me, I feel like that, the slogan wasn't quite right either. What about um, Canberra loves the guilty feminists? What about something like that? Okay, Good. ready? Good. Okay, and you say when. Three, two, one. Now that, that I can show the patriarchy. We're going to be like, fuck. Okay, now we're going to do, we're going to do the wave again and then we're going to say, we love you, Cal. Okay, ready? Okay, three, two, one. Okay, she's going to love that. She's going to really love that because she was sad not to come. Um, Got my steps up. Yeah, I hope you've got your Fitbit on. Um, 
Now listen, today our guest is talking about leadership. Yes. Nikki, mm. this is your first time doing The Girls Feminist. It is. Yeah, this is my very first time. This is Nikki's time. debut. Yes. Thanks, Canva. What do you see yourself as a leader? I think I've just led that wave pretty flawlessly. That's true, actually. Um, if, if that wave were like a state government role, yeah. you would have smashed it. Yeah. You'd definitely yep. be re-elected. Absolutely. Um, were you, as a kid, mm. were, you, were you one of the leaders as a child? You know there are leaders as a child and they're followers. And if you were, in fact, a leader... Yeah. Were you a leader for other children to do good things or bad things? <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Because there's two kinds of child leaders yeah. and we all know what they are. I had the best of intentions. I see. But I did, I think I did lead down the wrong path. Never, in, never to harm, just to create a little mischief. Can we have an example? Um, yes. Well, I didn't realise it was illegal to... Oh, wow. Any sentence that begins, I didn't realise it was illegal to... <laughs> I didn't realise it was illegal to fashion a number plate out of cardboard during school hours when you're supposed to be doing biology and, um, and, and make the number plate Venga, as in the Venga bus. <laughs> and then... What's the Venga bus? Um, yeah, that's the right response. The Venga bus is coming and everybody's jumping. New York to San Francisco? At every sacred disco? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, great. A very popular song in the 90s, yeah, late yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, a friend of mine had just got her peas, just got her peas. And, um, and that's pea plates and that means... That's, that's pea plates. Internationally... That means you've got your licence, but you're still like a new driver, so you have to wear P-plates so everyone knows you're not yeah, very good. Yeah, take it easy yeah, it around me. provisional. Yeah, yeah provisional. Yeah. It's That's like baby on board or something. It's like people go, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, we used um, to get very excited to get our L-plates, our yeah. learner's permit, and our P-plates, our provisional permit, and then, of course, to lose the V-plates, which yeah. was your virginity. They were the... That was the <laughs> holy trinity of plates. In it's, our later high school years. It's funny you say that mm. because today um, I went to the National Museum of Australia in Canberra. And my V-plates are there. What was that? No. No. <laughs> there was a, a They've Holden, held on to them. There Bless. was a Holden in the foyer. Um, <laughs> no, there is. Uh, a, an old 1950s Holden. It's a great museum. You should go if you haven't been. Uh, there's an incredible exhibition there at the moment, actually. There's two amazing ones. One is about spies and code cracking. And the other one, and some of it's about like what women, women's contribution, um, because you know women did stuff, but no one ever. Noticed. We're good with puzzles, and they yeah. don't. But give that's us why that. we're good spies because mm. no one notices. There were loads of women as spies in the Second World True. War because people would just think there was an amazing um, Indian spy in called Noor, and she was in Paris. And she was a terrible spy. Like she thought, oh, I'll you know to be a spy, I need to wear a blonde wig. It's like. <laughs> I was, she just drew attention to herself, big sunglasses. She had the sort of idea of what a spy was. And at one point, she's got this code-cracking equipment, and it's, she's in Nazi-occupied Paris. And <laughs> she um, can't get this machine, I think, I don't know, out of a cab and up the stairs. And a Nazi officer helps her up the stairs with this thing. <laughs> but she's just sort of going, oh, 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 oh la la, mon dieu, quel <laughs> dommage, you know, and yeah. 
But because if that was a man, he would have been like, what are you holding? What are you carrying? Yes. But she was just like... Ooh. Isn't and that then, incredible? Her greatest disguise was being a woman. Exactly. Because we would never think that they could pull this off. Exactly. That's so And so clever. there was there's some leadership in that exhibition from women. And also mm. there's an incredible um, Indigenous exhibition that is honestly one of the best things I've ever seen. It's so meditative. It's called Connection and it's about uh, Indigenous stories, paintings, and it's really immersive. It's all of these huge screens around you and sounds and it's art and uh, photography and it's incredible. But I'm going back tomorrow because I need to spend more time there. I want to go there and meditate. And okay. feel connected to the earth. It's genuinely incredible. Oh, oh. And the leadership on the walls, it's sort of all about how the earth owns us, we don't own the earth. Mm. And, and it's, it's such a different way of thinking about leadership, I think. Yeah. That I was just like, oh, I just felt so like drawn to it like a magnet. Like everything that in... I think in a capitalist society that we treasure, hold important, hold in esteem, aspire to is so soulless really and so misguided Mm. and so self-destructive that I was just looking at it going, this is the kind of leadership I need in my life and it's just so much more organic. But I I might have disrupted your incredibly funny Venga story. It feels... Gone down a cold Feels a bit flippant now, I'll be honest. Well, how do you think I felt coming on after Hangamer's poetry about how frivolity was not my love's purpose? (laughs) It's like I am a comedian. This is now I've got to do lols about that. Um, (laughs) So you have the Venga. You make a plate that says Venga. Venga, yeah, and we um, we put about fourteen of us in a family tarago. And, oh, wow. and I think that was my idea. I think I sort of rallied and the troops you, for that. And then you went driving with Venga, the Venga number plate. Yeah, we, th- we thought it was a lot of fun to um, fail at a hill start. And so we, oh, wow. we, would, go, we would find the steepest hills we could. And, um, In the Venga mobile. Yeah. Uh, ruin the clutch. Um, roll backwards and giggle. Oh. Uh, as we did a handbrake stop. So, look. That, were you driving was, even though you weren't the one with the licence? No, I wasn't driving, no. You were just encouraging the driver yes, to... Yes, I was the cheer squad. To, to lose her licence as soon as she had it. We didn't realise the, the stakes were that high, to be honest. So, we just thought, ah, oh, well. Did you get nicked? Absolutely not, no. So, how did, you, how did you get in trouble for it then? We didn't. We did, this is oh. the problem. This is... This was a This is why I'm in this job because oh, I see. This there was is... no accountability. I led I people astray and I continue I to do so. Did you did you reach out for any leadership roles? Were you head girl or I think an I Australia was, class captain? Or... I was actually a vice captain at high school. Were you? And I was I I was voted. But, and, hold on, was vice did vice mean runner up or did vice mean like drugs? <laughs> like vice squad, drug captain. Oh, yeah, no. Vice was runner-up. It would have been... Vice is like assistant captain, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So the captain, she ran a great campaign. She can't be flawed. Um, Do you remember she her name? Said, you always remember their name. Alicia. Yeah, Alicia. Yeah, yeah. So Alicia she, beat you. She did. She beat me because she ran a campaign where she said there would be free tampons in every bathroom at what? an all-girls school. Oh, and feminist. Yep. And we deliver? never got those tampons. She didn't deliver. We never got them. But, God, she oh. was impassioned. And we thought, ah, good on you, mate. Never yeah. mind. 
I mean, that's oh, well. politics as its finest, isn't it? This Listen. is the perfect town to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Promise. And, yeah. like, by that point, you've got the position. You know, you're probably only going to be that for one year anyway. Move on. Is she in politics now? She's not. No, she's not. Um, I'm not sure what she's doing. Alicia, she's, please write in. I think she's in Byron Bay. I'm not sure what she's doing. Oh, but well. She's not a vibe. leader. She's, I doubt she's she might be leading a cult by this point. <laughs> I and was going to say, play. that's probably all you're going to be running in Byron Bay. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a place for leadership. And that is a lie. I'm sure there's millions of listeners in Byron Bay Wonderful freaking leaders. out, shouting at the podcast, going, well, I'm a leader, I'm a leader of this. It's, I think it's probably quite a busy community. Byron Bay, you're doing brilliantly. That was a cheap joke at the expense it was. of what is quite a shoeless you know, area. <laughs> It's not big on shoes. Listen, don't tell me you're leading the way on shoes because you're not. Yeah, but do you know someone way. who is leading the way on shoes? Because she told us in her I'm a feminist <laughs> but. Um, that's a good, what a good segue. That was a perfect segue. Yeah, I was going to finish good. the vice captain story but now. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no you've no, got no. to know when to exit because that was flawless. No, no, I didn't realise that wasn't at the end. Oh I, No, I was just going to say that I was, I got the popular vote yeah. Um, it was like a, a Hillary Clinton situation. <gasps> was it? And, and then the teachers came down and went, we cannot, we can't have her. We can't. No. We cannot have her. Is that the case? It's, it's absolutely true. And so I, I co-vice-captained with a wonderful woman called Alicia who is doing extraordinary things for human rights. She's doing extraordinary things in the UK for human That's rights. two Alicias. Yeah, two Alicias. Also. Like Heather's. Like Heather, yes. So the two Alicia's. Yeah, two Alicia's and Alicia. I'm not sure I should be using the whole name. It's just Too dawning late. on me. I'm not sure how we're going to edit around that. Yeah, but we can bleep them out if you need. I mean, <laughs> I'm not bleeping out Alicia because it's too good. Yeah, I would so two Alicia's. I'll bleep out the surnames. So they would sort of run things and and be the student representatives, and then, and then, what then I'd. Did you do? Pretty much wafted at the end for a few lols. <laughs> Dressed up as a tampon or something, probably. You know? Just, um, but I, yeah, I did, I, it was, I was a leader of the people, but. <laughs> Despite the will of the people. Despite. You, you were yeah. left out in the cold because you were not seen as a conservative enough candidate. That's exactly right. Wow. Well, listen, somebody who's going to give us some advice. Another beautiful segue. <laughs> Segway queen. Listen, if I'm not if I'm not leader of anything else, I'm leader of the Segway. Um, our guest today is the inaugural director of the Global Institute of Women's Leadership at the Australian National University. While she studied psychology at ANU at both an undergraduate and PhD level, she has spent the last 17 years in the UK. She is a professor of social and organizational psychology and is involved in a number of research projects with a current focus on women's career choices. Michelle uncovered the phenomenon of the glass cliff, which we will discuss tonight. The New York Times named the glass cliff as one of the top 100 ideas that shaped 2008. Please welcome to the stage with enormous ACT, guilty feminist, welcoming wahooing noises, Professor Michelle Ryan. <laughs> Oh, Michelle, it's so wonderful to have you. Now, you've recently moved back to Australia after 18 years in the UK to take on a director role at the Global Institute for Women's Leadership. Could you explain what that institute is and why you've moved? 
Yeah, well, it was sort of my dream job, really. So when Julie Gillard sets up an institute and puts out a little call for someone to be a director, you you come. So yeah. that, that, that was really it. Well, but, if you can get the job. Yeah, well, there was a little bit of that as well. But yeah, it's an institute at the Australian National University. We do research, we yes. do advocacy, and then we work with organisations to just really try and address issues of workplace gender inequality. So you're, like, on, at the coalface in these organisations trying to figure out what's going wrong when we have a gender split that's fairly equal, lower down in the food chain, but then whenever it comes to a director position or a partnership position or the board, it's very heavily male. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got women's leadership in the in the name of the institute, and that's a big focus of what we look at. So that might be organisations, it might be in politics, it might be in volunteer organisations, grassroots kinds of leaderships. But it's no, we don't just focus on all those leaders at the top. We look at all of the structures and the societal processes that lead up to that underrepresentation. Do you ever think? The whole thing's fucked. We should just burn it to the ground. Because <laughs> I, I, sometimes I think, I don't know what the goal is anymore. Like, are we trying to get more female billionaires into space? Like, what? I look at it and go, what? How am I? Why am I trying to get up this ladder? This ladder is broken and it only leads to the world being underwater. Like, how do you reconcile when things seem so... Un- like, it seems like the goals of the establishment are so fucked that trying to kind of get... Women and, and the only women that can get, like in Britain, the only women that can get up the greasy pole are the ones that will serve the interests of the posh white men. So I'm not going, oh, uh, Boris Johnson's finally gone. Let's hope Pretty Patel gets in. Yeah, now it is panto season. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, uh, because, you know, norm, I would think I would be like, great, that's what we need as a woman of colour in, in a position of leadership. But I'm like, I don't... I, I feel like if her value set is exactly like Boris's, except she seems to enjoy it more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there was an option to burn it all down, I think maybe starting again would be the way to go. But so I... why isn't that an option? well we could try Um, but I think you're exactly right it isn't just about numbers so it isn't just saying let's shove as many women into leadership positions as we can because that's not necessarily going to change anything we have to change those systems we have to change what good leadership is like we've got to change what success and ambition looks like and we've got to make sure that the things that we do you know moving women ahead aren't just benefiting the privileged few women that are there anyway Mm. This, yes. So, I mean, similar to what you were saying, we're like often women are expected to lean in and, you know, step into the shoes of the role that men have played for a long time. Can you talk to us about the flaws of that phenomenon and why now there's a push to not fix women, to not make women in the image of men? And, and what we can do and how it's going to change. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty empowering kind of message, right? This lean in. Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook was telling us all this inspirational sort of thing, get on a rocket ship, lean in, be ambitious. And while there's a certain empowerment to that, it's, it's not particularly helpful. Lean into what? You know, lean into this neoliberalism, lean into these structures, be a bit more like a man, because in the end, that's what that advice is sort of saying. Mm. Be ambitious, be stronger, be more forceful. And I don't think we need more of that. And I think also what's really interesting is that that seems to put the onus on women. 
The reason you're not leaders is because you're not trying hard enough. You're not making sacrifices. You're not taking risks. And by putting the onus on women, it's putting the blame on women as well. It's your fault. You've got to do better. And instead, we've got to flip it over. We've got to give women something to lean towards. We've got to, as I said before, fix those structures and ask, well, why aren't women leaning in? Why aren't they taking risks? Why aren't they making sacrifices? And fix those things instead of fixing women. But also, I feel like we are, and then we get told off for the way we lean in, or we've lent in too forcefully, or we've not lent in as well as a man's lent in. Or Sometimes if I lean in, you get a lot of that. <laughs> and then if you're listening at home, listeners, that's cleavage. Um, too much cleavage on the lean in. Too much and cleavage. then you're told all sorts oh, of other things. Oh, then it's like, oh, she came in here pointing a cleavage at me. Oh, we've got to call Rachel again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, she can't be vice captain. <laughs> not, not, not with those tits. No. Um, but that's a great example. You know, you were like a, a, a clearly like a young woman with personality or girl with personality at school. And it was like, eh, she's not quite what we had in mind when we mm. said a leader. Even mm. though the school, the girls voted you in, mm. the, the administration went, mm, we were looking more for uh, somebody who might end up in Canberra. And that's <laughs> not saying you couldn't. I'm, I ended up here now, didn't I, yeah, tonight? You proved, you proved them wrong. You got the camera the end. Wrong. Where are the Alicia's now? Um, <laughs> if any of the Alicia's are listening or in the audience tonight. Has anyone called Alicia? Just shout out. No Alicia's no. in. No. They've got no sense of humour. Um, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It is our seventh birthday show on the 1st of October. Guess where we're going to be? The legendary Hammersmith Apollo. That's right. We are finally live at the Apollo. Confirmed guests include Rachel Paris, Grace Petrie, Sindhu V, Kima Bob, Desiree Birch, Susan McComa, and secret surprise musical guests that we're not allowed to talk about yet. Uh, so get your tickets now. We'll be at Ulster Hall in Belfast on the 14th of October. And you can get tickets for all of these shows at guiltyfeminist.com. To support the podcast and get ad-free episodes, go to patreon.com slash guiltyfeminist. And now, back to the podcast. Um, 
I find, because I do stuff in, you know, and I know you do as well in business, and I find that um, I used to do a lot, especially before I did the Guilty Feminist, I still do some uh, in diversity and inclusion, and I, I find that when um, men are given training, it's presented like Top Gun. You're the best of the best. We're going to make you better. When women are offered training, it's presented as a remedial option. It's like, mm. oh, do you know what you need, Cheryl? You need confidence. Just if you were just a little bit more confident. You're very good, very good at your job. Just maybe a little bit more confident. We're going to send you off on a little confidence course. Do you know what the number one horrendous thing for your confidence is? Someone coming up and going, mm. do you know what you don't have any of? It's, you can't, it's so counterintuitive. You can't send people on a confidence course. You can send them on an OT course. If you send them on a confidence course, you have drained the confidence. They suddenly go, oh, am I not confident? And you drain the only confidence they had out of them. Then you send them off to like some terrible regional hotel, <laughs> three-star hotel with other people who aren't very confident <laughs> and give them an afternoon on a wet, a wet Wednesday and then with a peppy some peppy workshop leader, and they go, oh, see, now if you use these confidence tips, you'll be almost as good as a man. And then send them back. It's the worst thing you can do. But when men, I've had men who've gone on the same course tell me, I know that they see me as partner material because they've invested in me. They sent me off on a course. And a woman's gone to me, same, same course has gone, I know they don't think I'm not very good because they've had to send me on a course. I mean, absolutely. It reminds me of the time that I first went up for promotion as, as an academic. I went to my head of department and I said, I think I meet all the criteria, you know, maybe might you consider me for promotion? He looked through my CV and he said, yeah, yeah, you tick, you tick every single box, but I think you should wait a year. And I said, a year? Why, do, why should I wait another year? And he said, because, Michelle, you're my happiest little worker and if you didn't get promoted, you might be sad. <laughs> Sad. I mean, angry is what I was. Went straight over his head to the dean, got promoted. So, yeah. <laughs> that's. I've lost my questions now. But I, <laughs> if you're listening at home, I did drop my clipboard over my shoulder and uh, in, in a fury. Sorry. Thank you. It was thank dramatic. You. I know it was dramatic, Nikki. But then, do you see how? It, yeah. So now I've got to claw it back. Um, <laughs> this is, can my, I ask? I don't really need it. I don't really need it. Just suddenly, fe- I just suddenly felt naked. Um, <laughs> can I ask? Um, you, you're a woman of colour of mixed uh, race heritage. Is that how I would say it? Yep. Good. I'll take that back then and say it with more confidence. I'll go on a course. Um, <laughs> you're a woman of mixed race heritage. Are you also looking at intersections of marginalisation slash? Uh, access to power and analyzing how people are treated how women are treated who have some other form of for want of a better word diversity yeah absolutely the diversity and inclusion space when we look at gender it tends to look at white women so when we look at yeah i mean when we look at the gender pay gap we really look at this idea but the gender pay gap's much bigger for women of color when we look at issues of discrimination and when we look at representation you know those sorts of women are almost non-existent and when we think of those wednesday wet afternoon sort of courses they're absolutely designed for women so when we talk about confidence training 
So black women are just like, I don't need confidence training. Everyone thinks I'm too confident. I'm too assertive, those sorts of things. So I think absolutely we have to look at the numbers and then we have to look at what we're doing in terms of our interventions and what we're doing, mm. that we're not just lifting white women, privileged women up, mm. that we're lifting all women up and actually that we're lifting the women that are most affected by discrimination. But also the impositions of what, you know, when a black woman says, I'm told I'm too confident, it's like the expectation of the person saying that, that basically saying, how dare you have the audacity to be so confident? And how you, how dare you have the audacity to tell a black woman she's too confident? Fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being quite sweary tonight. <laughs> I'm swearier in Canberra than I was in Perth. I don't know why that's happening. I wasn't swearing in Adelaide. I wasn't swearing in Perth. I don't know if it's, is it something well, to do Canberra with... Canberra brings it out of you, I think. I feel it's bringing it out in me. Brings it out of a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. all those years of Scott Morrison, a lot of the fucks were repressed. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Um, tell us some insights. Like, what is it that we need to know? So there are women... Just give us a cheer in the audience if you've got a leadership role uh, in your working life. Okay. Give us a cheer if you do lead the energy in the room or you lead, you know, thoughts, you take people under your wing, you mentor people, but you don't... You wouldn't describe yourself as having a leadership role. Why wouldn't you describe yourself as having a leadership role? You've got a leadership role. Like, I think, again, like a lot of women don't know that they've got a leadership role, even though they do. So, there's women here who need your help. Give us a cheer if you'd like a leadership role. Give us a cheer if you've been trying to get promoted. Give us a cheer if you think that some of the reason you're not being promoted is perhaps sexism. Okay, we need insight. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's interesting about who we need to help. Like, do we need to help the women in this room or do we need to help the people that are promoting them, that are putting them forwards and those sorts of okay, things? Okay, talk directly and only to Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony's here to learn. That's why he's sitting in the front row. Do you promote people, Anthony? And how much have you looked at your unconscious bias in terms of gender? Recently you've looked at it? Okay. Do you suspect you've got any unconscious bias? You have, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's the right answer, Anthony. Because we all have. Um, I still think I want to know, even though it's not my responsibility, those insights help me because I can communicate them. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we need to rethink what leadership looks like from the outset. So instead of saying trying to teach women to be better leaders, we have to say, well, what does good leadership look like? Does it look like Scott Morrison? You know, does no, it look like Donald no. Trump? Does it I look like Boris Johnson? No, it doesn't. And I think when we have these role models that are there, we get sucked into this belief that this is what leadership looks like, whereas leadership can be compassionate or it can be quieter. And it's the same with ambition as well. We often promote people or put people in the pipeline that show this fiery ambition, but you can have a quiet ambition. Ambition doesn't have to be about more money or more success. It could also be about helping more, doing more, being the best that you can. So I think actually rethinking a lot of these things and these structures and rethinking what our organisations look like. And as you said, do we need more women in CEO positions earning 100 times more than the people at the bottom? I don't don't think we need that. I think we need to rethink what leadership looks like at all different levels and be making sure that there's diversity in all of those. So if I handed you a magic wand, the feminist magic wand, which I sometimes give to a guest don't always do this, occasionally I think this guest needs a magic wand so this is the feminist magic wand, which I will pass to you, there you go um, yeah. that, was, that was poor mime work yeah. on both <laughs> so if we're going to believe in the magic wand, let me use my improv skills, believe in the magic wand <laughs> thank you 
now you have it, uh, what do you do with it? Well, maybe I take us down to the beginning where we started this conversation, mm. light a match and use the wand to burn it all down and start again. Wow. <laughs> so day one, it's raised to the ground. Day one, what kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of leadership do we want? Well, I think it's a world where those that are loudest and front and centre don't get pushed forwards. And, and mm. I think that's part of the problem. Mm. I think men tend to take up space and oxygen and, I mean, sometimes literal space like this, yeah. you know, Sometimes it's their voice in the room, it's the sound, it's all of those sorts of things. I mean, the talking, but also the sneezing, (laughs) you know? Like, what happens to a man at a certain age where he thinks it's okay to take up that much audio space? Like, what's... You've lost your face, Graham. You've sneezed your face off. We didn't have to go through that with you. Absolutely. And then I think it's so it's not only that they take the space, but then we reward it, right? We reward that behaviour. We value it. We pay it. We do it. So I think just, just coming back from that. So not rewarding the loudest voice in the room, the biggest space taker, all of those sorts of things. And starting about, you know, we think we live in a meritocracy. You know, Australia is this great meritocracy. Work hard, get force. We don't. We reward noise, we, uh, you know, all of those things. And if we actually went back to rewarding merit, you know, that's where we need to start. I am increasingly, as I said, I went to the museum today to, um, the National Museum today to, and to look at the Indigenous exhibition. And uh, I recently did some work with a Peruvian shaman in Spain. And I'm increasingly of the opinion that Indigenous people around the world have something fundamental about the relationship to the earth that they don't feel like they're better than the earth. And there's living, the earth is a bit of an evil. We live on this. We build on top of it. We, we're smarter than the earth. We, our technology can eat the planet for breakfast. It's just the connection to the earth and what the earth has to teach us. And we need to let the earth lead us. And at the moment, we're leading the earth. And I think until we figure that out, we will sort nothing else out. I really do think that. And the more I can learn respectfully in a way that where I'm, you know, invited into the space and act like a guest uh, from Indigenous people, the more I want to do that. I really think we need to start letting Indigenous people lead. I went to an event recently in London uh, with a South American Indigenous leader on climate change um, talking about the Amazon, and I was just like, yeah, we need to start letting Indigenous people lead this conversation and let Mother Earth, let the Earth start to lead us as well because I rather think, while we think we're cleverer than the Earth, mm. and while we think we've got it all sussed, um, you know, and it's not just men, you know, it is women as well. Like Absolutely. I feel like we just, we're rushing around at a million miles an hour, and I think if we could get back to that place, there are brave, brilliant, clever men with quiet and insight and leadership. Mm. And there are brave, brilliant, clever women and non-binary people who have brilliant leadership. But we will have to be a little more quiet to listen and hear it. Mm. Isn't it interesting that when you say, like, returning to Mother Earth and listening to Mother Earth and it's the mother, it's the feminine energy and I think... So often the traits that have traditionally been feminine 
are ones that we don't see in leadership. They're, you know, compassion and sensitivity and kindness and nurturing, which in good leadership we absolutely should be seeing. But like you say, we respond to noise and power and eros energy and that's it's exactly what's, you know, screwing the planet and screwing ourselves in the process. And we just got to, I think we really... We'll just have to go back to the earth, get reborn from the womb of planet earth and, like, burn the – I mean, don't burn the womb. Like, just burn <laughs> everything before and then just be rebirthed. I can see now Let why. Let it that bit out, why, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I can see now why you weren't allowed to be school captain. Yeah. Now, <laughs> that was in a retrospective great call. Yeah. I just oh, – no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the we, campaign was as succinct as that point that I was trying to make. We, so no, it was incredible. Um <laughs> It was, it was a travesty and you were robbed. Thank you. Um, we need to finish up soon, but could you please tell us about the concept of the glass cliff? Because this is your concept. And I did not know you'd invented this because it's something that I've talk, you know, heard about a lot and read about a lot, talked about a lot. You're the inventor of the glass cliff. Please explain. Please explain. Um, so we all know the glass ceiling, of course, right? So yeah. it can't get beyond a certain point. We were really interested in what sort of leadership positions women take on when they do take on leadership positions. Mm-hmm. And our research showed that it's often under sort of crisis situations so that these, these leadership positions are risky and precarious. So up high but teetering on the edge. So a classic example that we often give is Theresa May in Brexit. So complete shit show, who wants that leadership job? All the men run away, leaving Theresa May to take it on. Now, I believe the exact words were, you touched it last. <laughs> she voted remain. And uh, listen, I'm no fan of Theresa May, but it is true that all the men that had caused Brexit went, I don't want first dibs. And Boris Johnson waited until, while resisting her every attempt to make it work, and then came in and went, I'm going to get it done. And then just him doing it made him seem, in the eyes of some people as if he'd done something amazing because he'd stopped her doing exactly the same thing, only he did it in a slightly worse way than she intended to do it. Um, Is that the glass cliff? Yeah, so that's part of the glass cliff and what follows it is often this saviour effect as well. So, oh, look, you stuffed that up, didn't you? I'll come in and fix it up Mm. afterwards. And what's really interesting about the glass cliff is on the face of it, it looks like it's positive, right? We're putting more women into leadership positions and this is exactly what we were talking about before. It's not just about increasing numbers of women in leadership positions, but what sort of positions they're in. So if you push women into these positions that they're, they're, you know, risky and precarious, um, you potentially reinforce the idea that women aren't very good at leadership. Look mm. at Theresa May. She was terrible, you know. Mm. You know, this is That's what people said, might yeah. say. Uh, we won't try that again. So it reinforces these stereotypes, but it, under the illusion that we're giving women a go. Right, yes. Um, so when we give women an opportunity uh, to be CEO or to be leader of a, a country, it's often when it's obvious that the only thing that can happen next is terrible. Yeah. And so then we've given them a go, but at a really difficult time. So watch out for that. Watch out for the glass cliff. And if you're offered an opportunity, check it's not a glass cliff opportunity. Um, or point out that it's a glass cliff opportunity. But I think some women take those roles where they're, well, at least in my Wikipedia page is going to say I was Prime Minister. I, and I mean, absolutely <laughs> that. If we tell women not to take on any glass cliff positions, then we might not have very many women in leadership positions. So a, yeah. a big part of it is 
you know, the glass is, is meaning that it's not very obvious, make it obvious. So if you're offered a deputy prime minister, take it. It's <laughs> okay. the key. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Um, It'll probably be co-deputy prime minister. I would get the popular vote, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, Alicia will help. Don't worry. Alicia will help, yeah. Alicia yeah. will be there. Thanks, Alicia. Um, listen... Uh, we've got to finish up, but is there anything you came to say you didn't get to say? No, I don't think so. I what, got to talk about my shoes, so... Is, you know. is there any way... Uh, yeah, please keep us posted on the shoe front. Um, is there any way we can help or get involved in what you're doing or read about it? Yeah, so we're doing a lot of work with Jewel, Global Institute of Women's Leadership. So check out our website. You can sign up. There's newsletters. You can oh, donate. Lots of things going on. Okay, you can donate, Anthony. That's good to know. So say, say the website again, Global... Global Institute for Women's Leadership. Global so Institute for Women's Leadership. Yeah. Um, so sign up and uh, read all about it and you will be better informed and better armed when you need to talk about your pay rise or your leadership role with what's going on in the world. So uh, get involved. And a big round of applause for Michelle Ryan. <laughs> and Nikki Britton. Um, Canberra, you've been a wonderful audience. Um, we can pay you favourably. If you would like to come out again tomorrow night, uh, we would absolutely love to have you. If not, could you please uh, WhatsApp someone and tell them to come? Um, you tell all your mates at work tomorrow how great it was. The show will be fully, 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 wholly different. Um, have you enjoyed it? <laughs> then also, please tell your friends in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Wellington, Christchurch and Auckland... Um, listen to the podcast at guiltyfeminist.com. If you've never heard it before, there's millions of episodes. There's, they're all free. Uh, or buy my book called The Guilty Feminist, which is not free. <laughs> buy it. Buy it with money, Anthony. Um, <laughs> don't forget to sign up to the Amnesty uh, Feminist Society. Um, and Canberra, thank you so much for being such an incredibly lovely audience. Um, are you ready for uh, Grace Petrie herself to close this show? Are you mostly here to see Grace? I think they're mostly here to see you, Grace. I feel like I'm a bit of a disappointment, I'll be honest, at this show. Um, I just need confidence training. Yeah, thank you. I Listen, if anybody... Anthony, could you take me away on a wet Wednesday afternoon to a three-star hotel out of town? That now sounds like a proposition. <laughs> Jess, Jess is going, that's ah, fine. We've been married a while. Um, <laughs> he'll probably just try and talk to me about confidence. Yeah, he won't try anything on. Is that what you're saying? There's a, now there's a moment between them now. <laughs> Put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Grace Petrie! So, okay, well, listen. Like I said, this is my second time in Australia. Uh, the last time I was in Australia was February 2020. <laughs> I know! <laughs> um, can you guess why I left? Uh, I was on tour here and... Uh, Thank you very much, yeah. Um, likewise, I mean, I don't know if, if you were there or you're just giving me confidence now. Um, 
uh, and it was amazing. I was having a great time, and uh, I did this show in Sydney, and it was like absolutely amazing, and like uh, couldn't believe that there were actually people there, and because uh, it was my first time in Australia, and I didn't have any audience here, and uh, and then my buddy that was on tour with me, we we sort of cheers, clinked our beers together, and we were like, it just couldn't get any better than this, could it? <laughs> Twelve hours later. <laughs> Here comes this virus, uh, and the rest of the tour was cancelled, and uh, we had to get an emergency flight home. And then that same body of mine got locked down in my house for six months. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all of which is to say, um, it's fucking lovely to be back in Australia. Um, I couldn't, there's a, a very long time now where I couldn't imagine even actually being able to gig again. So it feels absolutely wonderful to be back here. And in the time that we have been in here tonight, you'll be very nervous. It's nothing that bad. It's just it started pissing it down um, outside. It's raining very hard. So I thought I would sing you this song, which I wrote about the pandemic and about the promise of better days to come. And, uh, and I like to think of it as a political song as well. Um, I know that there's some amazing people doing amazing activism in here tonight. And so, um, you know, for you know, all the Roe v. Wade stuff and for everything, this is, this is a song about better days ahead. It's about weathering the storm. It's called Storm to Weather. And uh, it's got a line in it where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing. There'll be a bit where I'm going to sing a line. I'm going to point at you and you're going to repeat that line. I've got absolute faith in you, Camper. It goes like this. <laughs> She's loved, the night is rolling in The clouds are getting darker And you're scared of what they bring And you are searching the horizon For some sign, some little spark Of morning that will chase away the dark Heavy was the winter, love And what's become of spring This demon came and got its claws In every little thing Now there are miles and glass and distance that are keeping me apart from the beating of your strong and steady heart but if it sinks my darling then just close your eyes and think of when when you'll be in my arms again there's a storm here to weather the thunder's coming Whichever way you turn, there is no sanctuary in sight No path to some safe harbour in the night But I am sailing right beside you, I am just out of arm's length 
On the bones of yesterday All I can do To make you through today And when my heart sinks My darling then I fill my lungs And I think of when When you'll be in My arms again There's a storm here to weather The thunder's coming Confidence. There's a storm here to weather. You got it. There's a storm here to weather. There's a storm here to weather. There's a storm here to weather. The thunder's coming near, louder than ever, and we don't know where to steer. Though we can't be together. guest co-host Nikki Britton and my very special guests Professor Michelle Ryan and Hangam Abidala with music from Grace Petrie The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodger produced by Nick Sheldon the producer for the Spontaneity Shop is Tom Selinski thanks to Beyond Jody and Bone Presents and everyone at the Canberra Theatre Centre as well as all of you for listening For more information about this and other episodes visit guiltyfeminist.com Getting no guitar up here. You might have to busk for a minute. Okay. Uh, I wasn't going to do... Oh, no. Is it ready? We're back. What was that heckle? How many? I don't know exactly, but there are tickets left for tomorrow. Because this one was put on sale first and the second one was put on sale later. Um, So, yeah, please come. There's only what? There's only five tickets left? No, I don't think so. I do need confidence training. <laughs> oh, I think there are more tickets left. Are there more tickets left, Michael? There are more tickets left. There's not just five left. Thank you. <laughs> well, what an intro. <laughs> Grace Petrie, everybody!
I'm sorry, but it was the heckler. No, no, I know. I did a great intro and then there was some banter. You did, you did. I'm sorry for trolling you on stage. Um, so, okay, well, listen. Like I said... The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com